0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 190 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Tuesday, February 11th, 2020. Duke is coming off a somewhat strange win against Florida State in Cameron Indoor. We're going to break that down, but before we do, of course, we must say hello. I am your host for this episode, Sam Klein. I am coming to you, as always, from Durham, North Carolina. I am joined by Jason Evans in Atlanta. Jason, good morning. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Another Duke victory, so it's always a good day.
2: Even if it was a close one, and Donald Wine is in back home in Washington? I am back home in Washington. I was able to watch that game last night, and let me tell you, I think that was one hell of a victory for the Blue Devils. I, I, like you said, a weird game, but definitely a very important one where you're looking at the standings. Yeah, so we will get to everything related to the
0: Florida State win. I was able to attend the game and and get in the locker room afterwards to talk to a couple of the guys about the quick turnaround from the UNC game. Before we do that, though, we mentioned on the last episode just over the weekend that we have some changes coming to the Duke Basketball Report podcast, the biggest of which is that – Uh, We won't have Burt Campbell as sponsors anymore, so we wanted to thank them again. We mentioned them on the last show, but thank them again for all of their support uh, for the last long while. I think it's been a couple of years they've been with us, but we wanted to tell all of you about the structural change that's going on here at the DBR Podcast. So starting with this episode, we are now part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Of course, Duke Basketball Report is a property of SB Nation, which has been the case for many, many years, but we are now officially part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. That's going to give us access, more access to blogs from across that network, which spans all the colleges and all the sports. So we might have contributors coming in from lots of different places in the sports world to give us insight into things that are adjacent to Duke basketball and some of the other topics that we cover. Um, This is going to open doors for us that maybe weren't available before. And if you listen to other SB Nation podcasts about things related to Duke basketball, you may get to hear us on those shows from time to time. Like I said, no more Bird Campbell ads, but you'll hear uh, some some new advertisements here on the on the DBR podcast. Uh, again, nothing overwhelming. That's not really the point here. We are just trying to you know, support the show. And finally, the the one little technical detail for listeners who used to find us on SoundCloud. Um, you <laughs> I, unclear how you would be listening to us because we're not going to be there anymore. Um, we really highly encourage you to subscribe to this show wherever on whatever podcast catcher app you use, be that from Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those places we are available. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'll still be available at our email address, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. You can still get in touch with us that way. And I wanted to kick it to Donald. Just Donald, any more details as the As our resident SB Nation expert uh, you're of course a contributor on on some other SB Nation blogs so anything else that the people need to know about uh, this new way of delivering content
2: yeah so for those of you who are able to access our podcast through DBR's main page and the articles that we post about each episode you would notice that we would post a SoundCloud link to direct you to a, a site if you weren't subscribing like Sam mentioned but now there will be a different one. It'll be called Me- through Megaphone. And what's good about Megaphone is that you will be able to create an entire playlist of all 190 plus episodes and, and, and more of our podcast. So if you are on Megaphone, you will be able to create an entire playlist. And there will be also times where on the front page we will be able to do the same so that you're one click away from listening to Sam, Jason, and I talk about Duke basketball at any point of the day.
1: I have a question. I, I have not bothered to total it up, but how long do you think it would take <laughs> for someone to listen to all 190 episodes? I'm guessing like maybe a week, uh, maybe like a week and a half. It's, like, wait, are they continuous. sleeping? Or there's no sleep? No sleep. uh uh-uh. uh This I is continuous, know. baby. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know
0: why you would need to do that, but I encourage you to do that. Hey, it sounds actually <laughs> what?
1: reliving the 2015 season.
0: Could be you, a ton of fun, <laughs> I think reliving reliving the twenty fifteen season through our amateur uh, musings about it, I think oh God. might okay. might be fun, but you can also you can also just choose not to do that because that <laughs> yeah it seems it seems like a slog. Are we? Uh, I, I think that's it for, for the intros. If you have any questions for us, of course, you can post them on the forum where where we all appear. And also, as we said, dbrpodcast at gmail.com is a great and, way and to get in let, touch with us.
1: Let me reiterate what Sam said. Hey, the best thing to do is subscribe.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Go out there, subscribe, whatever. Yeah. Wherever we, you know, we don't do enough of that. If you listen to other podcasts, they're constantly going, subscribe and like and give us reviews. And we'd love to get those. We don't pester you folks with those things so we're now going to pester you with them just for this moment subscribe just, just, just give right us a review yeah okay. yeah all that stuff. also as
2: as this transition occurs it's going to take a couple of days even after you're listening to this podcast uh episode so as that happens when it's finally official we will continue to uh, bombard you with ways to make sure that you guys don't miss out on hearing jason ran about the uh unc tar heels or sam and his musings with uh with with bluegrass or me just talking about jerseys
0: look it's been a, it's been a while <laughs> since, since we did any bluegrass content on the show so know. Uh, maybe I know. maybe i have to maybe i have to bring that back anyway Enough about all the logistics. Let's get to the game. Duke beat Florida State last night in Cameron Indoor. It was a seventy to sixty-five final score. It was tight the whole way down the stretch in the second half with Matthew Hurt making the free throws that sealed the deal for Duke. It was a rock fight out there, is what I would say. Lots of turnovers for Duke. Um, a lot of broken plays on on both sides. Donald, start wherever you want. What were your impressions of Duke? Making the quick turnaround after the emotional UNC victory to take care of the Seminoles in Cameron.
2: I, I think you described it br- brilliantly. It was it was a slugfest between two teams that are, you know, I think are going to be, you know, in the semifinals or even the finals in the ACC tournament. These two teams both came to play. We started out hot from from, yeah, from the perimeter and shooting well, uh, and then they were able to really take us on the inside and really make it physical and and really frustrate Vernon. Gray. I mean, Vernon Carey finished with 10 and 10. And I think that's remarkable given what he was given as far as uh, a looks on defense by Florida state. They really did a great job at trying to frustrate him and take him out of the game and really take all the, all five guys on the floor out of the game. I will tee up. Yeah. And you said you had some audio and, and when we were listening to the pregame, the, the theme was moving on. All the guys that we that you were able to speak with talked about moving on from that UNC game and the high of of that win and immediately getting up Sunday morning with their eyes ready on Florida State. I think they did a great job of doing that because if they, you know, if they didn't do that, we'd be talking about a Florida State, you know, victory this morning. But I, I think that is something where you have to give hats credit to the Trojan staff for really turning it on and and letting them know, hey. I know that was a great win. We have to get, out of the, get that out of the way so that we can focus on what was the number eight team in the country coming to visit us. Hey, Donald, good, uh, good reminder.
0: Let's, let's get a listen to some of that audio that I grabbed last night from the locker room. I talked to Vernon Carey and Cassius Stanley and Javin Delorier about that. Let's, uh, let's listen to that right now.
3: No, you don't.
0: Tougher game for you tonight. Um, what was Florida State doing that was frustrating you so much?
4: Um, they were just playing uh, on top of me uh, really and then having uh, backside help so just making it like just hard for me really so uh, Everybody stepped up on my team really so and we got the win. That's all that matters. Really.
0: How'd you feel coming off the game from the other night and having to turn it around really quick against this really tough uh, Florida State team?
4: Um, Coach just preached that yesterday um, in our shoot round that we had. Um, just to, just to move on, a lot of teams. He said a lot of teams don't move on past a big time uh, win like that that we had on Saturday, but we were able to do that, so he's he's proud of us. He said.
0: Today. Were you able to take it a little easier in practice or right, right back no, at it? No,
4: no we, didn't, we didn't really. um. We just walked through and did a preview on this team on FSU. We didn't really um, practice, really.
0: <laughs> yep. Hey, Cassius. Tougher game for you tonight. Um, what was Florida State doing to frustrate you?
3: Um, You know, they were clogging the lane, for sure. Um, you know, they were making sure that Um, they couldn't that our drives weren't gonna hurt us and then um, uh, you know with Vern they were they were doubling him and um, on the backside so I mean um, you know they had a good game plan but um, you know we we eventually figured it out we uh, tried to play more of a free motion offense um, because if we if we set plays they were gonna they are just gonna sit in the lane and so um, I think I think we figured it out the game, but uh, that's what did. Do
0: you feel better about how the passing was in the second half? Felt like there was a lot of dribble drive in the first half and, and a lot more moving the ball around in the second half.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what we wanted to do in the beginning, to dribble drive, to get them to the move. Um, they eventually adjusted because they're a good team, uh, very well coached, and um, you know, it was, we knew it was going to be a fight. It was going to be a, a, a battle. And, um, you know, it was, it was good to, to get the win, and it was good yeah, for something to work at the end of the game. And how
0: about the turnaround from the emotional game on Saturday? How, how were you feeling maybe yesterday morning coming off that uh, and, you know, trying to think about Florida State?
3: I mean, we moved on. Coach was very big on it. Um, he said enjoy it for that night, but move on, just move on. And uh, that's what we did. And he was proud of us, and we're proud of each other for, for moving on because that's very mature of us.
0: Uh, Javin, what was the uh, turnaround like from UNC game on Saturday night to tonight against Florida State?
4: Um, you know, obviously really quick. Uh, we get off the bus, after, uh, coming back from Chapel Hill, and the coaches are telling us, you know, obviously enjoyed this moment. Uh, this is a night you guys will remember you know, for a long, long time. if not forever. Um, but just know that Monday we have a really good team coming in here, and they don't care that we won. Uh, They're going to try and come in here and beat the brakes off, y'all. And so guys really did a good job of, you know, moving on, um, enjoying that moment, and then moving on to the next thing.
0: Did you have to mentor any of the young guys about staying focused, or do you think they're coming along well in that regard? You
4: know, I think they did a great job tonight, Um, especially, you know, slow starts are kind of our Achilles heel as a team, it seems. Um, But, you know, we came out ready to play, ready to compete. Um, and you know we turned the ball over a bit too much, and you know whether you want to attribute that to fatigue or preparation, whatever that may be. Um, you know Florida State's just a really long, athletic, really good team. Um, whatever, whatever the case is, we made enough plays to win tonight, and you know, I'm really proud of our young guys, especially.
3: Is there anything that kind of you saw early that, that led you to believe you guys weren't going to come out flat, like you guys were locked in, and it wasn't going to be that nah.
4: um, you know we've all. Um, you know in our group chats whatever been talking about how much this game means Um, just because what the coaches say uh, you know good teams you know win that game on Saturday and come in here on Monday and lose because they're not able to move on Uh, but great teams take that next step and everyone in here wants us to keep growing um, you know as a group so we're playing our best basketball at the right time and I think we took a huge step towards that goal tonight.
0: How do you manage you know Limited minutes for you, but team seems to be like it's rolling pretty well. How do you how do you handle that uh, being on this team?
4: You know, for me, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm just going to do whatever I can uh, to help my team win the basketball game uh, when my number's called I'm step out there and do my job. Um, and that's the attitude that every guy has. You know, some nights, um, you know, you may not get as much running as another guy. Uh, but, you know, our team has done a really good job of, uh, you know, and it's easy because we're all very close. Uh, you know, not having any animosity and staying locked in because uh, you never know what it may be um, or whose turn is going to be. So I'm really proud of our guys tonight.
0: Cool. Thanks. So yeah, reiterating Donald's initial point, which is which is making the quick turnaround. All the guys seemed very locked in. That said, you know they got a little bit of time to celebrate, and and that's all well and good. But everyone starting on Sunday was focused on Florida State. They Duke did not have time to rest on its laurels. And we talked way way back months ago when the schedule came out, and we were looking ahead at the season that Duke doesn't didn't have very many of those quick turnarounds, the 48-hour the turnarounds on the schedule this year, which is a nice bonus for the Blue Devils. But the big one that we looked at was this UNC to Florida State one. Obviously, the UNC game is always a big deal. Everyone gets excited about it. And then we we didn't know that Florida State was going to be this good this season. But, uh, of course, they have been this way for a long time now. And the team, it seems, was able to to overcome that uh, that transition. Jason, I want to come to you next. Um, What were the what were kind of the big themes that you saw in this game? Um, Maybe around, you know, I'm looking when I'm looking at the stat sheet, I see Duke had 21 turnovers. I remember a lot of (laughs) drives to the hoop that just ended in the ball leaking out, be that Florida State's doing or even Duke's doing. What were you seeing from the Blue Devils that made it such a sloppy affair?
1: So uh, uh, let me, I'll get to that in half a second. I'm glad you asked me that. I think the turnovers and the rebounding are a major story in this game. I wanted to mention just, first of all, the sound that you had. I, I love that all these guys talked about how Coach K had drilled into them, that they had to put the UNC game in their rearview mirror. And, and one of the other themes that I heard was them saying that FSU jammed the lane that FSU just put everybody in the lane and forced us to play differently than we really wanted to on offense. And I liked that the team was able to adjust to it. That said, uh, you guys know, I mean, hey, we're talking about podcast number 190. You know one of the stats, one of the first things I look at in the box score every time is field goal attempts. And I am a big believer in the fact that if you don't shoot the ball as much as the other team, you're probably going to lose. FSU outshot us in this game, and they outshot us pretty significantly. They took 66 field goal attempts. Duke only took 51. It is really hard to win a game where you get outshot by 15 field goal attempts, and there's a clear reason why FSU was shooting the ball a lot more than Duke. One, Duke was turning the ball over, and two, Florida State was grabbing offensive rebounds. We out-rebounded them by three, but only because... Uh, we got a lot more defensive rebounds um, than they did and uh, because they were missing so many shots. But Florida State still got 17 offensive rebounds. Uh, I thought Florida State played a, a really good game. To some extent, I think Duke was a little bit lucky to win this game because, I mean, Florida State's not going to shoot that poorly from three. They're only 16% on their three-pointers. They're not going to shoot that poorly from three every game. But, I, I, you know, I, I feel like we we found ways – to be effective even though we weren't getting a ton of shots and the turnovers were were incredibly frustrating um Wendell Moore oh boy I I love Wendell I love a lot of the intangibles I love a lot of the things he brings to the table um, in terms of defense in terms of rebounding in terms of being a pest on defense but goodness some of his turnovers were just just atrocious he's got to find a way to clean that stuff up um, because I, I worry a, a game like this where you get outshot by, by 15, 16 shots, uh, you, you only win a game like that if the other team is shooting terrible. Um, and, and I think we got – like I say, I think we got a little bit lucky. Um, we just need to – we need to be more careful. I mean, look, we had – like late in the game, Jordan Goldwire had just an atrocious turnover. I mean, like it was at a moment where Duke was hoping to stretch out the lead and make it comfortable and Jordan Goldwire just essentially handed the the ball over to 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 Florida State and they got an easy layup and and suddenly it was like a 1 point game again and i mean Trent Forrest had I, i'm trying to uh, uh, what was the number of steals Trent Forrest had it was, it was he had 8 at one point early in the game he he was taking the ball from duke at will we've got to be stronger with the ball against teams like this otherwise forget it it's just you know we're not going to be able to win games this way
2: real quickly I, I think me personally watching this game the second half especially it seemed like we were mentally exhausted and I won't say anything about physical because they didn't seem like they're physical there were times where mentally they looked like like they were out of sorts after the game and that's ex- expected after the game on Saturday night after how physical they had been in Florida State had been on the inside like Javin Delorier was like looked like a zombie at some points walking up the court and was just like in the wrong spot in the lane and that led to a lot of defensive lapses and also on offense it led to them you know making passes that they normally wouldn't taking shots that they normally wouldn't and just forcing things I think that was interesting in how they overcame that because that's not something that we normally see from a Duke team as being mentally exhausted but it's understandable for them to do that given the circumstances of how Saturday night took place and also just how this game was transpiring. I think that to, about that,
0: Florida State was able to force Duke to play their style. As I, I, I think I described it as a rock fight. Like Duke was, Duke was trying to get to the lane as as you heard Cassius Stanley say, he wasn't really able to find the, the lanes that he was against UNC and it forced Duke to take... You know, Trey Jones w- w- was taking more of those mid-range shots and, and three-pointers. Florida State was, was daring Duke to shoot over them. And for a good stretch of the game, that wasn't, you know, the drives weren't working and the shots weren't working. So where, for that first five minutes, Duke was energized. The crowd in Cameron last night was was awesome. They were still fired up from Saturday. And Duke, I think, was able to ride a little bit of that momentum for the first few minutes of the game. And then as you said, Donald, it seemed like a little bit of exhaustion. The the Duke players were overcome somehow and weren't able to execute anymore. Down the stretch, it felt like they were able to adjust a little bit to Florida State style and and get Get the right baskets and and honestly turn up the toughness. I think you look at Matthew Hurt's final plays um, in this game where he was like, "All right, Florida State's playing like this. Like I just have to, I have to be, I have to be stronger. I have to be tougher here." And and I guess there was a little bit of controversy at the end of the game because the the play where Matt Hurt drew the the foul to take those final foul shots. I guess folks on Twitter who don't root for Duke um, were not pleased about the call, but.
2: Uh, no, they, uh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I got to <laughs> talk about this. Yeah, I got no, so, so, so no foul.
0: So, so, wait. So, not, not an Donald. offensive foul. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got right. you. It, I got wasn't Donald, so, all, it wasn't an
0: offensive foul. Donald, what happened?
2: So, first of all, it wasn't an offensive foul at all because to do that, you have to make contact with the other person on the yeah, team. And, so, and the person who, was who made contact? contact with a Florida State player was his own player. Now, I'm not worried about that call. They called it a cylinder call, and that's a judgment thing because as soon as he comes down, he basically tries to even make any move and it was already he was already in there was already a Florida State guy in his grill. But that's not the controversial play. They did that one. They showed that one on ESPN as if that was the call that ended the game. What could have been a really big call was a play later. When a Florida State guy with two feet out of bounds swiped the ball out of Vernon Carey's hand, and upon review, they gave it to Florida
1: State. That, that was that. unbelievable. That was that unreal. is the
2: controversial play, and we overcame that. And so, I think it's very disingenuous this morning to see Matthew Hertz play all over ESPN as if that was the call that shifted the game in our favor when we were up at that point and also that wasn't the play that really could have cost anyone the game donald are you saying that there are
0: narratives about duke
2: basketball oh there was a narrative last night they tried, shocked. they tried they tried their ass off it didn't work and i'm glad uh, yeah. that our guys were able to stick that out here's the thing a team could have reacted much differently than we did to that call the one that with uh, the florida state guy out of bounds but Hats off off,er like you know, Coach K didn't go apoplectic. He didn't throw his jacket like some guys do. He literally sure was he like, knew.
1: "I mean, look, it, yeah." Those of us watching on television, like Sam, were you aware on that possession where they ended up giving the ball to Florida State? You're in the you're in the stadium, so you weren't aware. I thought aware. they were.
0: No, I, I couldn't tell what was going on. I thought they had called. Uh, I thought they had called a foul and were going to the monitor to decide if there was like no. I, I I couldn't tell what was going on. No, the, the ball got didn't, knocked. They didn't really mention it. They just said they had out of bounds to Florida State. And it took them – and it took the refs a little bit to sort of sort out what had happened, right? Right. So, yeah, I, I was a little confused about what was happening at that point. Yeah, and the
2: funny Donald thing I... about it – the funny thing about it is that ESPN, Jay Bills is like, they're seeing all of these great camera angles that we're giving you courtesy of our producers. So, great job that they're able to find this angle that shows – that two feet are standing out of bounds, and he was swiping the ball. So that's going to be Duke's ball. And then as soon as he said that, he goes, "Wait a minute! They just gave the ball to Florida State. That's not that's not right." So I, I yeah. don't, I don't. It, they had that whole angle
1: and still didn't, still didn't make the call. Uh, look, uh, ref, referees are human, and it's clear that they were focused on who did the who did the ball touch last. Mm-hmm. They weren't even looking at the feet of the guy who was. And like Sam, you can you, you should try and watch this. It's not that he's barely out of bounds. Dude is a good five, six feet out of bounds. He's yeah. been out of bounds for like three or four seconds.
2: <laughs> and it's not like he came back in and was reestablished also, himself. It was
0: also at the other end of the floor from where I was sitting. So oh, that, gotcha. I, yeah, just had, that, I had no so, angle on that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's not like he was standing out of bounds and jumped back in and tried to put two feet down as he swiped. He no. has one foot. He has one foot basically touching the cameraman. And the other foot is still on the line. But mostly out of bounds. When he reaches back, reaches back into play and swipes the ball out, so it's almost like he's reaching to grab it towards himself. And the other thing is the ref that made the call initially, who said yes, as Duke's ball was standing right next to him. So I don't know who reviewed that play and said, oh no, he's fine because the ref and, was standing Teddy out of bounds and he was next to him. Ted Valentine wasn't
0: there to to make a show of the whole thing. So oh no, no, he he his his presence was felt. <laughs>
1: Look, I, I don't want us. We're not going to talk about the officiating. That this is not Duke. Doesn't do this kind of thing. We don't. We don't complain about the rest. No. And here's the
2: thing: we overcame. So I, so I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate right. that our guys right. put kept our heads and were able to overcome something like that. But it, it, the narrative just angered me. I, I the, get you. The, I, I think the takeaway here is that Duke knows that
0: Florida State is really good, and as you said, Donald, you know possible that Duke sees Florida State again in the ACC tournament possibly in in the semifinals you know if the if the mm-hmm. standings hold up Duke and Florida State would be two and three in the ACC so they would in the semifinals and Duke has to be ready to uh, to play up to Florida State style if that comes to it again. Jason give me a final thought on the Florida State game uh, takeaway something that you uh, that you notice that you're going to be continuing to watch going forward for the Blue Devils.
1: So I, I want to go back to the theme of the season, Duke's depth, and I, I feel like you guys were talking a moment ago about uh, how Matthew Hurt, uh, Matthew Hurt stepped up at, at, uh, in the first half. He hit a couple threes, and he was very big down the stretch for Duke, hitting free throws. Um, we also talked about the fact that Duke seemed very fatigued; that the guys were clearly showing the uh, emotional and perhaps also physical. Um, strain of that Carolina game. Well, I I think Matthew Hurt, as a guy who really didn't play much against Carolina, was perhaps a little more fresh and ready to make an impact on this game. And look, this is one of the things that I talked about when we previewed the game. I said that if Matthew Hurt has a big game for Duke, that, that that's the scenario where Duke wins comfortably. And if he if he doesn't, then, then I sort you know I said if we don't have a big game from the perimeter, if we don't have a lot of guys hitting threes, this is probably a nip and tuck free throw kind of game, um and uh, you know and, and it, it it pretty much was we, we did we did pretty well we we shot well from three but um I mean Jordan Goldwire especially nailing three out of three three pointers but but I I, I really feel like I love the fact that on this team Matthew Hurt who did who basically did not contribute in the Carolina game comes back and plays 18 minutes in this game and gets 12 points, hits huge free throws down the stretch, like, you know, absolute ice in his veins. Um, I, I I just like the variety of the ways that this Duke team is able to impact the game. Look, we haven't mentioned Javin Delorier. I thought I thought that Javin had a really good game defensively. Javin played more minutes than Vernon Carey, which which, which has not happened much this year. And and the reason was, I think Javin was able... It, He had as good a game as you can have by only scoring two points. By the way, he hit both his free throws. Carolina fans, if they were watching this game, must have been absolutely weeping, because down the stretch Duke kept hitting their free throws, and 48 hours ago North Carolina kept missing their free throws. So uh, it's a really it's a good win for Duke, a a very good win against a really good opponent. And uh, you know, Coach K talked about this was a this was a final eight, final four kind of. Kind of uh, stretch of forty-eight hours with with these two games, and, and I agree with him. And you know, I'll I'll take a five-point win over the Florida State Seminoles any day of the year. And I will just wrap up this conversation on Florida State by noting
0: that Leonard Hamilton still looks great. Yeah
3: he
0: he was play he was coaching. What is he? His, what is he? Thirty-three now. He's thirty-seven. He's Thirty-two. He's Thirty-two. 86. Don't besmirch that
2: man. What? <laughs> how old? How old is Leonard Hamilton? And honestly, way, Leonard Hamilton. He looked like he could coach. I mean, the two guys coaching on the sidelines last night both looked like they could coach another ten years. Not only, it, it, not only do they seem like they're really good friends, but they were—they looked like they were having a lot of fun coaching against each other, which is always they, fun to see.
0: Well, they've—they've they've played each other a few times at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, it, he is Leonard he Hamilton's. Is. Leonard Hamilton's been in the ACC uh, I, like I twenty years, he's the second longest, second longest tenured coach in the ACC, or, or mm-hmm. third behind Vine Roy Williams. So he's—he's he's been around the block with. With Duke a few times.
1: He is he is seventy one years old.
0: Is it will never it will never not be entertaining. He Lennon looks Hamilton He looks great. He's he actually sometimes he mentions it on his. I think he mentioned it on his Twitter at one point about mm-hmm. about the, uh, the I, ten year I, challenge. I don't know what he calls it yeah. He he posted it as a ten year challenge, but he also. He calls it like the, the ham stuff. He has a he has a hashtag for it. Now I have to go look for it. So uh, we'll take a break and I will find out what Leonard Hamilton uh, calls himself to note that he never ages. All right, we are going to move on to previewing the Notre Dame game, but before we do, I did a quick scroll back through Leonard Hamilton's Twitter. It is in fact the ham sauce. So get yourself a jar of ham sauce and you can look as good as Leonard Hamilton does at 71. Let's talk though about another old coach who is familiar with Coach K. Uh, that would be Mike Bray. His Fighting Irish of Notre Dame are coming to Cameron Saturday afternoon and Notre Dame got off to kind of a rocky start in the ACC, but you know and, and with some some pretty close losses but Jason Evans, they're a tough team, and I think that their uh, their their results, if you just look at the points in their games, don't tell the full story of how tough this Notre Dame team has been, especially lately. Am I right?
1: Oh gosh, so I feel like if if Notre Dame had just a tiny bit more luck, if they if they were a little bit better in really close games, this would be a team that people would be talking about for the NCAA tournament. I I absolutely believe that. They, they, they lost to Boston College by one. They lost to Indiana by two. They lost to NC State by five. They lost to Louisville by, by three. They lost to Syracuse by two. They lost to Florida State by one. Uh, and By the way, that, that game they lost to Florida State by one was at Florida State. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a road game where they're uh, – what, what I just said there, that run of losses, that's all their losses since December. Uh, really really close games it would it would not be insane it would not be absolutely crazy for notre dame to be on like a 10 game winning streak coming into this game because uh, like i say they've they've just suffered a ton of really close losses. They are on a four game winning streak as we record this. They have not yet played they're playing Virginia tonight, so it may be that by the time you listen to this it's at, it's at Virginia by the way. It may be that by the time you listen to this podcast, Notre Dame has uh, that four game lose, uh, winning streak has been broken. It's also possible this Notre Dame team is absolutely capable of winning at Virginia, and it's very possible they are on a five game winning streak, and suddenly people are like, "Whoa." Notre Dame is a legit NCAA tournament team. Uh, you know, uh, again, I, I don't think their record reflects nearly how good this team is, and and they are led by John Mooney, um, senior big man John Mooney, who is just a absolute double double machine. You can he's been there. Much...
0: He's been there a long time. I feel like we've talked about yeah.
1: Mooney before. <laughs> right. This is this is his twelfth season um, playing for Notre Dame. Um, uh, He's been around longer than Sam has been alive, or something like that. I think. No, I'm kidding. He's the, but it, he's I, the
2: second longest tenured player behind Bonsi Colson
1: and <laughs> Luke and Luke Herrangotti. Is Luke Herrangotti still there? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow, going back. Uh, but but in all seriousness, John Mooney is is one of the best rebounding players in the country, Um, and, and he's their force on the inside. It is going to be. It is not going to be easy for Vernon Carey to, to, to deal with him. And, and, and by the way, it is worth noting, he is not just a dude who, who stands in the paint the whole time. He will venture outside and he'll take some three pointers on you. You've got to be able to go with him. Um, And Duke has been going small lately. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to go small against Notre Dame. I think, uh, you know, I, I keep on talking about Matthew Hurt on this podcast, Um, not just this episode, but past episodes, Matthew Hurt and Jack White, have got to have good games because otherwise I think John Mooney and the Florida State uh, – sorry, and the Notre Dame size is going to be a big problem for Duke. The other guy really worth highlighting is T.J. Gibbs. Um, if their inside strength is John Mooney, their outside strength is T.J. Gibbs who um, who will absolutely rain three-pointers down on you. He hits 42% of his threes. Uh, the, uh, this Notre Dame team is a lot better than their record would indicate, a lot better than their ACC record would indicate they're a very 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 good team on offense they're a top 20 offense in the country um they do not turn the ball over at all um uh and they, they they just do a lot of the things that you know they're a good three-point shooting team they can present problems for you if you don't play well and um and duke has not uh, let's be honest the past three games even though duke has won them uh, we we have not been playing great basketball lately uh, and and I think we'll, we're going to need to be pretty good to to beat Notre Dame.
0: It's a hard thing to quantify, but one of the things that Notre Dame brings, and I was joking about it a second ago, is experience. Uh, you know, they're not putting a lot of freshmen out on the floor to to make big contributions. They're led by sophomore, juniors, and seniors. And that and and as you said, Jason, they've been through some tough games this year they are not going to be phased by being in Cameron. They're not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. They are tough ACC players, and Duke needs to be ready for that kind of experience coming at them because, let's face it, Duke's got a lot of young guys who are playing prominent roles on this team, be they Carry, Cassius Stanley, Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt. If he's, going to, if he's going to keep contributing from this game, all those guys are going to be going up against dudes who are just a little bit older and more experienced than they are.
2: Yeah, and really with when it comes to this game, the one thing that Jason alluded to, but also is just overwhelming with this matchup is that Notre Dame always plays us really well. Uh if no one's really figured out Coach K in college basketball. But if there's one guy who's close, is Mike Bray. And he is really I mean, even when we beat them, he's the one guy that's beat him the most since Notre Dame joined. But even when we beat him, it's been a close game. So I would expect nothing more. I'm really glad that we have the extra couple of days of rest after this game on Monday. Uh, I really, I'm really glad we have that extra couple of days of rest because we're going to need it against Notre Dame. They've been playing pretty well lately. And Saturday night is going to be a big game for us and for them uh, because they're going to try and move up these standings. I think that's going to make, you know, those extra days of rest are going to really help and hopefully get us back on track with the shooting. So we'll return then after
0: the Notre Dame game to review that and look ahead at the games next week. So since this is a midweek show, we're not going to do an official player of the week, but let's say that we're going to do a check on who's winning the player of the week race for you guys so far this week. Donald, I'll start with you. Um, Let's say who was your player of the game from the Florida state game on
2: Monday night. I think the X factor was Matthew Hurt, you know, the way he played. You know, at the beginning of the game, he was shooting very well. Down the stretch, he was making key for, and getting clutch rebounds. Uh, so he was my player of the game. He's He is in pole position, as you would say, for player of the week.
0: All right, Jason, who you got? It, it was, a, it was a, a little bit less obvious, I feel like, in this game, who, who was the standout player for Duke, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely was. You know, I'm going to take Jordan Goldwire. Um, he he matched his career high with 13 points, five for five field goals, three for three three pointers. There were a couple of them that he took where it wasn't like um, guys had just left him completely wide open um, and were ignoring him. Um, it, you know, he took them in rhythm. He took them even from a little bit, you know, a couple steps beyond the three point line, which is like, wow, what what you doing there? But the biggest reason I'm going to take him as my player of the week, he only had two turnovers. That's the fewest turnovers of anybody, of any of the starters. This was a game where Duke made a lot of turnovers, a lot of turnovers, and Jordan Goldwire was the guy who managed to hold onto the ball better than anybody else, so he is my current leader for Player of the Week.
0: It's funny. I came to the same conclusion for, I think, the same reason that you laid out there at the end, which is, of the guys who got big minutes in this game, Jordan Goldwire made the fewest mistakes, so... I feel like, you know, that, that Although, which is he kind made, of his game, right? I, I
1: mentioned he made an egregious one. He made a really, he really made bad He bad made bad. an egregious mistake,
0: <laughs> but, but he wasn't repeatedly driving into traffic and losing the ball or missing a bunch of shots, like Wendell Moore, or missing a bunch of shots that were notionally open the way that Trey Jones was. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think I've got Jordan Goldwater. Let's finish then with a parting shot. I know, Donald, you've got one for this midweek episode. What's, what's on your mind?
2: Yeah, so last weekend we didn't get a chance to talk about it on Sunday, but last weekend was the debut of the XFL, the new XFL. Don't think about He Hate Me, uh, and, and the one from previous past, but this one, uh, started out with an incredible game. Um, my hometown, DC Defenders, and Sam's hometown now, DC Defenders. Um, if you say so, yeah, it was so a lot of people are talking about the XFL and they talk about this little thing where they are. Oh no, no. Because the XFL Who's talking about the XFL. I am. I'm talking about it. (laughs) So it's a lot of people are talking about it in the frame of, will it replace the NFL or just really, will it stand with the NFL? It's not going to replace it, but people are talking about it as that minor league system where you can try out some gimmicks. And some of these gimmicks are actually really cool. The kickoff, um, I, I don't like know if the you guys kick, the see kickoff the game.
1: thing is crazy. Kickoff is I really like cool. It.
2: Yeah, it's, it's where, you know, it's, it seems safer. And honestly, it gives more incentive to run Football.
0: back. Football, the safe sport.
2: Well, safer. Er, er. I mean, we're, we're, you know, look at me. We're low bar here. But uh, here's the fun. Here's the thing about it, right? The XFL can be all these things. But if it's not entertaining, people aren't going to watch. The games were very entertaining and people watched. And of course this week 1 we'll see if they have a, a, a you know Jason's big in the movies if they're going to have that week 2 uh, drop this weekend but for the games that were on the first for the first weekend it was a rousing success. People enjoyed the games. A lot of the games were sold out. The one in DC was filled to the brim with fans. Uh, it was an entertaining game the home team won the well, That's
0: cuz DC that's cuz DC hasn't had an entertaining home football game in like Eight years
2: exactly. Well, eight years. How long has Snyder, Snyder been around? It's been a long time. I'm assuming
0: that go eight years ago is when Robert Griffin was in town, right? So, uh, oh, there yeah. were some fun yeah. games then. Yeah. Uh, but Snyder still perhaps, owned the team.
2: but Snyder doesn't own yes, the yes, team.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's been McMahon. it's been 20, <laughs> 22 years yeah. since uh, since Dan Snyder's been in town. Yeah. So, yeah, a, but a, a long, a long time of suffering.
1: Really,
2: I mean, the point is the XFL for week one in what it was was very entertaining i'm hoping that it can sustain i know last year we were talking about the alliance of uh, associated football and that lasted like three weeks um i'm hoping this will go longer than three weeks because i'm trying to go to a game while they're here in town but really if you're looking if you just the super bowl has you out of sorts and you're looking for some football check out the xfl see if it's something that you enjoy but for me personally i thought it was very entertaining and really liked what i saw last week. Okay all right, so since we're
0: <laughs> since, since we're doing this soon after our most recent episode, I, I think that's going to do it for parting shots for this show. like I said, we'll be back after the Notre Dame game to recap that hey, ha, ha, and look how about head. this yeah how about
1: this I'll tease my parting shot because I want to do it for this next weekend. time I got yeah I gotta flesh it out a little bit more. My parting shot is going to be on the value of the timeout ooh mm. I, I'm looking forward to this.
0: This is, This sounds like this sounds like real basketball analysis. There is, this better there be is good, actual,
1: Jason. There is actual research. There is. I have come across a, a a paper that was done by someone where he explains exactly how many points a timeout is worth. Mm. How's that for a tease? Okay.
0: So so we're going to be going back to Bash Roy Williams for his poor use of timeouts <laughs> next weekend when we return. So to recap again. Don't forget, uh, the show isn't really going anywhere. We're making some structural changes. Hopefully, it means um, almost nothing to most of our listeners. But we are excited about the opportunity to join the SB Nation podcast. work. As I said, uh, you may hear other voices on here. You may hear us in other places going forward. And uh, so still more to come on that front. Don't forget again to subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And reviews. That's subscribe and review.
1: We want reviews. Subscribe and
0: review. Sure. Yeah, go. Reviews are good. Send the reviews. Give us, give us the feedback, man. We, we love the feedback. So uh, with that, this has been uh, episode 190 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Our first on the SB Nation Podcast Network. For Donald Wine and Jason Evans, I am Sam Klein. Thanks for listening, and Duke Band, take us home.